Welcome to the Get Your Donut Podcast. We're here to exchange our consumeristic Christianity for a life fully surrendered to Christ, and to never let our faith be as simple as grabbing coffee and a donut in the lobby. Let's do this. Well, welcome everybody to the Get Your Donut Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Reed, and I'm excited to be here, really excited actually, for today's episode. We're going to be talking about satisfaction and fulfillment, uh, where we try to find those things, and then what the Bible has to say about it as well. But what I'm mostly excited about for today is that I've convinced my wife, Becca, to come on the podcast. Becca, thank you so much for being here on the show. Thanks for having me. It's a blast to have you. Becca, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, because you're married to me, that I've been asking everybody who comes on the podcast what their favorite donut is and why. And so it's my turn to ask you, Becca, what is your favorite donut and why? Yeah, my favorite donut probably has more to do with nostalgia than it does uh, even with taste, probably. So I would probably, if I had to choose like an all-time favorite, it would be ordering a dozen donut holes a dozen donut holes what's the nostalgia that comes with a dozen donut holes? i feel like holes? that's just like what you get as a kid like your parents order you a bunch of donut okay. holes because it's probably better for you to have two, <laughs> two donut holes over over an know. entire tiger tail yeah yeah, yeah. but no, i feel like good. we had those a lot growing up or we had other donuts but there were always donut holes on the side okay Donut holes. And they're delicious. I mean, I think it's fair that probably most people's favorite donut has to do with nostalgia than it does Maybe. with taste. I feel like donuts are just kind of a nostalgic thing. Does yours? Yeah, I mean, well. <laughs> no, yours just I don't know. Mine is, is just pure taste. flavor. Yeah. 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 Well, okay. Well, uh, another, another question, Bex, that I've been asking everybody who comes on the show is if there's one book you would recommend for faith development or faith encouragement besides the Bible, what would it be? doesn't have to be your favorite book or like the all-time book, but just what's one book on your mind right now that you'd recommend to people, um, obviously, besides the Bible? Yeah, so I feel like um, one that maybe not a lot of people have heard of. It's called Counterculture by David Platt. We read this with like a small group about a year ago, but it just um, talks about ways in which the gospel calls us to care, um, serve the world around us, and each chapter just kind of focuses on a different social justice kind of hot topic. So highly yeah. recommend. Yeah, it's a really good book. You guys should definitely check it out. I'm going to link it down below. Um, so if you're interested, you can check it out on Amazon. Uh, but like I said earlier, we are talking today about satisfaction and fulfillment. Again, what the Bible has to say about that, where we might find it. Um, but before we do that, Becca, as we were thinking about doing an episode on this, you specifically were talking about some recent changes or updates in our life that caused us to think more deeply uh, about fulfillment and contentment. So why don't we start there? Let's start by sharing some of those life things that have happened to us, uh, some of those updates that caused us to think uh, a little more critically about satisfaction and fulfillment. So Becca, why don't you get us started? Tell us about some of those uh, life things that happened. Yeah, so we recently moved about four months ago now, um, and we were moving to a new city about an hour away, and we were in the midst of looking for housing. Which was just a terrible experience. Was it? It wasn't. It honestly <laughs> didn't. It could have been a terrible experience, yeah, I guess but it didn't true. end up being we that thought bad. It was we thought be a it was going to be because of... We live in California. It's an expensive place. We were moving to a new city about an hour away that we were told was pretty hard to like... To move into. To move into. Um, We were kind of... I don't know. We had a newborn. We were kind of feeling on a time crunch. Um, Thankfully, we had family that we were able to move in with 
if we hadn't have found any housing. However, we were just not wanting to live with family for yeah. months and months and months. But that was yeah. kind of what it was looking like it was going to be. Yeah. And I think the idea of moving to like we started getting our hopes and expectations of like the kind of place we want to move to would have all of these things. Yeah. And we, well, we had always lived like since we got married, we'd lived in apartments. Yeah. Um, and so we were kind of like, OK, we're moving out of our apartment to this new city. It would be really cool to move into a house. To move into a house. <laughs> Not that we were in any position to buy a house. No, but we were like, I think we could rent a house. Yeah. And we just somehow. And so <laughs> it felt very out of reach, but yeah. we also really wanted it. And so I feel like we, we started praying a lot yeah, about that's true. a couple different things and yeah, we kind of came up with like a list of like Okay, these are like our four non-negotiables, God. If you could fit those things, that would be <laughs> awesome because we don't really want to live anywhere that doesn't have these things. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, I think kind of the point we're getting at is like when we were moving and looking for a new place to live, which we found an incredible place to live, but then that was in totally a, the Lord. In a crazy way. And yeah. We'll just say this. Craigslist, no pictures. No pictures. So we and found And now we're living. And now we're living in an awesome in this place. House. Uh Christian landlord (laughs) and just an amazing location. The full story of that is kind of crazy. But But, anyways, so we were really excited once we we ended up getting this house and we were so excited and we did have to move in with my mom for about two weeks, just like this in-between period, which was fine. But the whole two weeks we were just like talking about the anticipation of like we're gonna have a house finally and we're, we're gonna, gonna have a yard, a yard for i was our like dog. so excited like <laughs> i get to do yard work like yeah. my life is yeah. gonna be awesome we were like a one-car garage <laughs> <laughs> and we we're so fired up it was all these things like there's natural light in yes, the house that's probably right one of the biggest because like apartments like, are like pretty dark because yeah. of just like there's not a lot of windows it's hard to take nice pictures inside <laughs> you know sure like <laughs> There's a there's a there's a window above the sink in the kitchen. Yes, like you I can was look just outside pumped. while I do the dishes. Um, and so like really excited. The anticipation is building for us to move into this house that honestly, for for the purpose of this episode, we'll say like we were expecting this house to I don't know, like solve all of our problems is a little bit extreme. Well, but like some of our problems that we felt like our apartment created maybe yeah. i don't know or like yeah. our previous living situations created so like or, yeah let's say natural light sometimes there'd be days where like i'm at home with like my small child and we're not really leaving the house and i'm just like this is kind of killing my soul i yeah. haven't seen the sun all day yeah yeah or or even thinking too like if i just had this like if that's kind of what we were saying about yeah. the house like if we if it just had three bedrooms or whatever yeah, it was we made our list of four things made our list of four things and, and it was like, like if it just had these we'd be, be so, so happy it'll be so good. we wouldn't need anything else yeah. and this is like so then, so laughable then, looking back so then we moved in so we moved in and did it completely satisfy well, and us then, okay and so like the <laughs> why we're bringing up the story is because my example of this is like we got here we moved in kind of it was the first night so like boxes everywhere yeah and i realized throughout the day of living here I like was already noticing like so I'm laying in bed at night thinking about all these things and I realized that throughout the whole day I was noticing little things that yeah. like I already was like unsatisfied with yeah. so I was like gosh the things washing machine is so small it really is though <laughs> that's <laughs> just is, true but it's been fine <laughs> yeah. but no the day of or I was like ooh, that paint color in that bathroom is a little weird or just these things right. that because we're renting aren't really options to change and so yeah. I was already like bummer and already isn't there like a thing it's called like buyer's remorse when you buy a home I think, I that think. Is a thing. I've um, never bought a home so. no 
<laughs> but like make you make a big purchase and then you yeah, kind of go back totally. and you're just like, oh, maybe oh, do I regret I this? Do? And I was already like, oh my gosh, moving in here. I don't know. Do I regret this? Like already I was sitting in bed. Yeah, night it was one. the first night. I was so excited to move into this place. Yeah. And, and already I was feeling unsatisfied and I was already thinking yeah. like, how could I change this? Yeah. Or how could I fix this? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think that's, yeah. I think that's good. That's kind of the point of why we bring up the story, uh, is how quickly we go from, if I just had this, I would be happy. And then you get that thing and guess what? You're not happy. You're not like happy. you're not, you're not <laughs> it doesn't, satisfied. you might be happy for I a little happy. bit. I was happy. I was stoked about the fact that we right. had a yard, but then even I was but like, you, oh, there's no grass. Yeah. You, know? you just, you always <laughs> want, you always end up wanting more. And yeah. it's like, people say it all the time. And you know, like, like money can't buy happiness or, you know, status, power, fame, sex, all these things that we claim like are going to satisfy and fulfill us. And they don't, they just leave you empty. But sometimes it's helpful to like recognize that in your own life, like in small ways, like to those of us who aren't millionaires, sometimes we're like, yeah, sure. Money can't buy you happiness, but it sure would help. Uh, (laughs) But then I look at my own life and I realize like, yeah, but in the ways in which I've improved, like my housing situation, it hasn't. It hasn't fulfilled me more, and and I don't think it would be right to say uh, that it that it would. And so, anyways, kind of along those lines too is like we we sometimes do this on purpose, right? Like we use the things of this world to try and satisfy us. So there's like there's the things that we expect to satisfy us, and then there's the ways like we actively participate in trying to satisfy us or even cope with our situation in the world. I know like. For me, give we wrote us, this give down. us the example. <laughs> well, for <laughs> for me, it's like my my biggest coping mechanism is food. I have a really emotional and unhealthy relationship with food. A lot of the time, it's gotten a lot better. It's so much better. But uh, Becca knows, like, like when, especially well, like when you were a freshman in college, and oh my you, gosh, and I broke, broke up with my girlfriend, mm-hmm. and I ate fifty six pieces of pizza <laughs> that week. I, it, was, it was it was like a whole pizza a day. Yeah, it's disgusting. It was gross. And it's not even like it was like it was all it was I like had. College cafeteria pizza. No, it wasn't even which good like pizza. sometimes some days like might have been okay, but like no. not fifty seven. It was all I ate for lunch and dinner all week was pizza, and I just felt yeah. like if I had pizza, I could just drown my yeah, sorrows anyways. in pizza. But now anyways. we wrote down the but, example. Uh, now it's cereal. Like this is, and we don't even really <laughs> buy, cereal buy cereal anymore cereal. because it's gone so fast. But like Becca knows, like. Noah's having a rough time if she comes out and I'm like, you know, there's like milk dripping down my chin and <laughs> I'm eating cereal. And no, she's it's like, usually Cheerios because I'll buy yeah. Cheerios and like give them to our, our kids, kids yeah. or whatever as like a little snack <laughs> on the go. But then Noah but then, always brings out the Cheerios and, and, and has like five bowls at yeah, a time. Yeah, I can never have just one Maybe bowl. Somebody back me up on this though. One bowl of Cheerios <laughs> is just not enough to drown your sorrows in. Um, but kind of the joke I made before we recorded this is like when I get to the bottom of the bowl, like the bowl is empty and so am I. <laughs> and it's like, that's so cheesy, but it's like Cheerios like, and it's still like, it still has a hold on me, but it's never satisfied. Like the coping or the sadness yeah. that I feel but or the longing, like, but I do it. And yeah, I don't know, we so do this food, in other ways too. Material things, houses, cars. Yeah. We do this with relationships. We do it with social media. We yeah. find satisfaction or we think we'll find satisfaction in followers or likes or how yeah. many friends invited you to hang out this weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we right. all do it. It just... It Sometimes takes its various forms with, with various people. And I think we want to talk for a minute about why we do this. Like, why do we place so much 
expectation and the things of this world. And there's a few reasons. Again, this isn't an exhaustive list, but a couple of things that came to our mind. The first is is we're, we're in a very real spiritual battle. And so to not acknowledge that Satan really wants you to get wrapped up in the things of this world would, would be amiss. He has a huge desire for you to feel like if you don't have all the things that are just outside your grasp, that you're not going to be happy. He also wants you to think that for some reason, like God is withholding something from you. I think sometimes uh, we 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 get stuck on that track. That's that's essentially like what he did with Adam and Eve in the garden too. Right? God made the Garden of Eden, and then he tells Adam and Eve, "You can eat of any fruit of the trees in the garden except for the tree of life." And Satan comes along and he's like, "Did God really say that to you?" And and Adam says, "Yeah, you know, like he told us if we eat the fruit, we'll die." And Satan's like, "You're not going to die." And boom, he's got. Adam and Eve thinking like, there's more I could have, right? Like there's something else out there I don't have that could make my life better. It's like, it's the oldest trick that Satan has really right from the beginning. And he still uses that with us today. It just takes different forms. And we often don't acknowledge that he's working in that way. But uh, yeah, I think Satan is a, is a huge reason why we do this. What else, Becca? Yeah. And then I feel like our, our souls also um, are constantly, whether we acknowledge it or not, but we're longing for a better world. And so we're looking for different things to make us content because yeah. we're trying, we're looking to earthly ple- pleasures yep. to fill what is, what would be a heavenly void, right? Yeah, that's good. That's good. Snaps on that. Mm, um, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, we look to those earthly pleasures to try to fill a heavenly void. I love the way you said that. Um, but, but it's, I think it's also like the things on earth, those earthly pleasures, they're right here in front of our face. Like we see them right there. And it's so much easier to we look to those things. Yeah, you can't do Cheerios do have a consistent oh, here. smell. Well, I always know. I feel like sometimes you eat Cheerios and then you come and talk to me. And I'm literally like, did you just have a bowl of Cheerios? And you're like, yeah, maybe. I did. Back up off me. Um, but okay, so the things of, of the earth are right in front of us. And they're easier to see. But it's so much harder to wait for the things you can't see, right? Or to be content in the things that you can't see. So like, it's so much easier for me to think that moving into the house that we're in is going to make me happy. Because like, the house is right there. I can see it. Like, I can see that it's bigger than the apartment I lived in. But I can't see, uh, you know, I can't see God. I can't see uh, my place in heaven that Jesus has prepared for me. And so it's harder for me, even though I know those things are better. It's harder for me to trust that like, even if I never lived in a house like this in my whole earthly life, I I could be content with the fact that I have Jesus with me and he's prepared a better place for me uh, in the life to come. So th- those are a couple of the reasons why we do this. Um, and before we get into what the Bible has to say about it, we want to point out how we can recognize when we're doing this. Like, how do we know? that we're looking for satisfaction or fulfillment in earthly things that cannot satisfy us. How do we recognize when we're doing this? What do you think? I feel like if disappointment is like a common thread in your life and you see it coming up over and over again, because I feel like it's okay. It's like a normal human emotion to get disappointed by things. But when our expectations are so great and and disappointment is showing up over and over and over again in our life, I feel like that is one way to maybe recognize it. Or also just if you think about, or you spend a day and you recognize your speech for a whole day and, and are the words flowing out of your mouth often, I want, I need, um, or you're just comparing yourself to other people. So you're often talking about like, look at that really cool house or that person has such a cute puppy. Yeah. I say that because we just got a puppy. No, but you know what I mean? Like, 
I feel like sometimes we get caught up in this yeah. where we're on a drive and we're just kind of, which is another one of our points, but I'll just say it, like fantasizing yeah. about what more could we have or what more do we need or want yeah. or what totally. are the next steps in our life. Totally. Which which are not bad things. Like planning for the future isn't a bad thing, but it can right. like get pretty muddy. Yeah, yeah it does quickly. I've, I feel like yeah. that, that flows into one of the things I wanted to bring up too. It's like when you compare yourself to other people, I found myself doing this the other day. But if you quickly try to justify like an unwise financial decision in order to like get something or be a part of something, like you're probably, that's probably not uh, something that you've thought about a long time. And that's probably maybe trying to satisfy or fulfill something. So if you're trying to justify like, how can I spend this money? Because like, then I would have one of those or I could go there or I could be a part of that. uh, And you know that that's not something that like, you've thought about financially ahead of time, you you may be trying to uh, just sat- find satisfaction or fulfillment in kind of like a quick buy or quick fix. Um, <clears throat> and then yeah, fantasy, like Becca said, if you're if you're constantly thinking about the things you don't have or things that you want, um, that, that would be one. Um, and then another thing I was thinking about too, and I don't know how to say this like super concisely, but if you find something that there's if there's something you really want or maybe it's a relationship you really want or uh, maybe it's an item or something you might buy, like if you sit and wait on it for a while, like a week or a month, do you find that the desire for that thing is still as strong or has it faded? Because sometimes- I feel like it would just be your desire would go to something else, which might be an indication. But I feel like that happens often. Like if I do that, then I realize like, oh, I don't care about that because I got- this yeah. other thing yeah that's you know? true that's true or yeah I, i'm not as concerned with that relationship anymore because i just made a new friend or you know i yeah. my other friend and i stopped fighting so now our relationship yeah, yeah is so, good. but i feel like what you're saying it's it could be helpful yeah. to you know delay something on purpose delay sometimes something. yeah put the put the thing that's been in your amazon cart in your save and you're saved for later save for later <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no that's good Okay, so most importantly, we wanted to dive a little bit into the Bible and look at what the Bible has to say about satisfaction and contentment. So we're going to start off with Psalm 103, 15 through 17, and I'll just read it for you. But it says, As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. Hmm. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. We've read that verse like, I don't know, four or five times times just preparing for this episode and mm-hmm. it just hits me every time like yeah, it's, it's so good. good it's so good i had to memorize for a for a college class i had to memorize psalm 103 oh. and i feel like i didn't appreciate I, it appreciate it yeah. as much as i can now it's so good i mean basically like what this verse is getting at there's there's some things and we're not we're not looking at a ton of context here but essentially what it's saying is hey in the grand scheme of time humans you're really not here for that long Right? Like your day's like grass. You're here today. <laughs> you're gone tomorrow. Uh, other parts of scripture say you're like a vapor that passes in the morning. Uh, like you're, you're here today. You're gone tomorrow. And you're not even remembered. Right? It's place knows it no more. You're not even remembered. Like, sorry to, to break it to you guys. It's but interesting. Like, we didn't talk about this. But it's interesting that it says like it flourishes like a flower. So like I feel like that touches on parts of uh, yeah, your, life your life can, can be, be beautiful. impactful and like. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, that's good. That is true. It's not all, <laughs> it's not all just like depressing. Dark, yeah. 
But the reality is, even if you do flourish, you're not here for very long. <laughs> and the wind is going to pass over. Yeah. You're going to be gone. You're not going to be remembered. Uh, but, and this is where the joy for the Christian comes in, our life isn't about us, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. And so I feel like what this verse is getting at is, look, everything on earth, you included and kind of, are everything's <laughs> going to pass away. But what remains for eternity is God, his word, and then and then people in the eternal sense of of heaven or hell um but but not people in the sense of like you're here on the earth making an impact just people in the sense of like you're either in community with the lord or you're not and so this verse really calls us to have a heavenly perspective and when you think about it like that if you think like your life is so short compared to eternity why do we spend any time being concerned with, worrying about, stressing over, longing for, like the things of this earth that scripture already tells us aren't going to satisfy or fulfill us. I feel like that's a little bit of what it's trying to get at. It's like, look, the only thing that lasts forever and is good forever is the Lord. And so like focus on that. Don't focus on the things of this earth because it's all going to be gone anyways with you because you're going to be gone too. And so on that happy note, uh, that takes us to the next scripture that we wanted to look at, uh, which is from Matthew 6. Becca, do you want to read that passage for us? Yeah, so it's um, we're going to do verses 19 to 21. Okay, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, I love Matthew 6. We're going to read more of it later. (laughs) But I feel like it's just, it's so clear cut. It's just like, this is what it is. Anyways. But obviously this verse tells us to not be as concerned with the things of earth as we are with eternal things. So, I mean, that could be a whole list, but God (laughs) and our relationship with him and our devotion to Jesus. And Jesus is saying here, um, or says this because he's pointing out that the things uh, we are concerned about show us what our heart longs for and what we truly trust in. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the thing that sticks out to me from this verse so much. Verse 21 which says for where your treasure is there your heart will be also you see this all throughout jesus's ministry he is concerned about your heart reality and so what he's saying about the things of this earth and treasures is that they steal your heart away from where it should be focused like your heart should be resting and worshiping and focused upon jesus and when you place your treasures in cars and houses and clothes and food your heart's now been captivated by the things of this earth and you become dependent upon those things instead of storing up stuff in heaven and becoming dependent upon Jesus. And so you flip your heavenly mindset and you adopt an earthly mindset and all of a sudden there's not room in your heart anymore for Jesus because you've been consumed by the things of this world. Yeah, and we, I feel like, talk a lot about just in our family, just like your trophies and your achievements and your stuff and even in a way your relationships like even your marriage like it doesn't necessarily come with you to heaven right right no yeah you there's so much that that we let steal our heart here on earth that you can't even like we can't even take it with us like we put so much hope in whatever this house that we're now living in yeah and it's like I mean, it took Becca a day to be over it, but it get you know in whatever <laughs> a year. <laughs> no, That's I'm just not kidding. true. But in a year, but I know I know. Or after that in another myself. kid, or whatever, yeah. it's gonna feel like maybe it's cramped, or we want more, or we're gonna find the issues. 
and and we can't even take these things with us but we just place so much in it hoping for that fulfillment and that's yeah. that satisfaction and i think uh what jesus is getting at we're gonna read verse 24 on in just a second but what he's getting at again is that really like he, you know where you store where where thieves uh, cannot break in and steal where moth cannot destroy if you think about like the things of this earth really like one of the only things that somebody can't cannot take from you is your walk with Jesus. Like it can't be taken from you. Mm. Read all the amazing stories of <laughs> uh, Christians and martyrs and those people under persecution. It's like they had everything stripped from them, but you can't touch their walk with Jesus. And I think that's a little bit of what he's getting at is like this transcends the things on earth. But he continues on in verse 24, uh, and I'm going to read a chunk of scripture here, uh, verse 24 to 33. So uh, hang in there. I'm going to read it. Um, It says this, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow, and they neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Okay, that was a whole big chunk, but we're going to break it down a little bit. And so the first part is talking about not being able to give yourself to two things at the same time. We're seeing your heart cannot serve money and status and followers and achievements and all of the things that we want in this world um, while also serving Jesus at the same time. So those are competing interests. And what he's talking about here is pretty much simply idolatry. Uh, When we put anything else above the Lord, it's idolatry. And we see over and over again in scripture that idolatry never satisfies, um, never provides true life, always leads us further away from God. Um, And then he goes on and says, so don't be anxious about the things of this world because God is in control of all these things anyways. Um, he's the master of the earth, and we should probably trust the master of the earth's judgment. Yeah. yeah. It's always better than ours, and he already promises to give us what we need. Um, I mean, he tells us that obviously you're more valuable valuable than grass or yeah. flowers, yeah. and those things get taken care of, and he's going to take care of us even more. Um, so instead of trying to be your own master and provide for yourself, trust in God and let him provide for you for the things that you need and the things that you hold so close to your heart. Yeah, it's interesting that he ties uh, anxiety and being anxious with the concerns of this world. And I think yeah, this passage, to, uh, this passage has just been like such a favorite for the last yeah. couple of years because I feel like I've dealt with anxiety. Totally. But also, it's just like such a, it's a hot, it's a buzzword. Everybody, 
Yeah. And and it's true. Yeah. Like we live in the most anxious culture. Well, that's what I was just going to say. With the rise of social media and technology and a rise in anxiety and depression at the same time. But it's interesting because it's like, does social media and technology not cause you to care more about the things of this world than you did before? Oh, yeah. And it's, such it's a causing your anxiety to rise, which is exactly what Jesus said like 2,000 years exactly ago. Exactly what Satan wants. Which is, yeah. <laughs> it, but it's like Jesus literally yeah. said, like when you're concerned about the things of this world, you're probably going to be anxious. So he says, don't be concerned about the things of this world and don't be anxious. Remember Psalm 103, you're going to pass away quickly anyways. Also, those things can't satisfy you, but really God's in control and he, he's going to give you what you need. I think that that's huge. I think that's a lot of what he's getting at. And obviously we're not talking about like clinical anxiety here. What the, what the word means in the context is like being worried about or caring about. And so Uh, When Jesus is saying, do not be anxious, he's saying that when you care about the things of this world, when you're worried about the things of this world, it shows that you're not trusting and resting in him. But anxiety has become such a buzzword. I just want to clarify that we're not we're not talking about, you know, do not be clinically anxious. That's not what we're saying. We're saying place your cares and your trust in Jesus instead of being worried uh, about the things of this world. And that that kind of brings us to the last passage uh, that we want to talk about, which is from Ecclesiastes. <clears throat> um, the book of Ecclesiastes is written by a guy, uh, he's called the preacher, you know, there's some debate on who actually uh, wrote it, but but essentially sets out to, to find the meaning of life, right? He's going to uh, chase after these various things and see what's the most fulfilling, what's the most satisfying, what's the meaning of life. And the refrain through all of Ecclesiastes is vanity of vanities, right? Everything is meaningless. Um, and it's it's a little bit depressing, I guess. I love it. Um, but it's so good. <laughs> um, but but again, he chases after work. He chases after money. He chases after, uh, you know, service, whatever, these various things to find what's the most fulfilling and, and says, you know, everything is vanity. Everything is meaningless. And he gets to the very end of the book. And this is what he says about his pursuit to find kind of the meaning of life. He says, the end of the matter, all has been heard, right? Again, we've tried everything. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Yeah, I mean, he finds that this world just can't satisfy us, which is what we've been saying. And he tries everything and he finds that the whole chief end of man is to fear God and keep his commandments because that's the only thing that really matters. Amen. Um, (laughs) No, but to kind of bring this full circle um, about what we were talking about in the beginning and moving into a new city and house. So I was sitting in bed after day one of living here and kind of unpacking and being so excited and then kind of just sitting there and being like, what the heck? I feel so unfulfilled, already feeling unsatisfied. And I think I recognized for the first time, kind of in a really tangible way, that I was never created to be satisfied by a house and by windows that brought pretty light in a backyard. And I can only and will only ever be satisfied with Jesus. So it sounds really simple and even like a little bit pessimistic um, when it's the writer (laughs) of Ecclesiastes being like, I searched... And I realized it's all vanity, vanity. It's all meaningless, except to fear God and keep His commandments. Right. Like it, it's it's hard to place this really old guy writing this book saying that <laughs> these things are all meaningless. <clears throat> I think because it's like none of us want to sit here and actually say like that all the things we work for and struggle so hard for in our life might actually be meaningless. Like we don't want to say that. And that's kind of depressing that I even just said it, but that's, 
right? Like that's the reality, right? That's what he's saying, yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's true. And in that way, it releases us like from the rat race of the world or like the the keeping up with the Joneses yeah. mentality that we all have in each, in each of our own ways. Um, and it allows us to just live our lives on earth I feel like in the truest way that we were meant to because we were made to glorify Jesus and because that's what we were made for you, we, and everybody will be most satisfied and fulfilled when we're fulfilling that purpose. Yeah. I think you, you have to remember like God made you, he, he designed you for a purpose. And, and while we each have like our individual purposes, right? Like your overarching purpose is to bring glory to Jesus and to chase after Jesus. And so when you do that, naturally, you're you're fulfilling what God's called you to do. You're you're getting the most fulfillment yeah. out of who you could be. Yeah. Um so let's let's kind of like wrap this up in a practical sense. What does it look like to have a biblical view of fulfillment in, in a practical way? Like how do we how do we actually wrap yeah, this up? I feel up? like when we've been talking about this, I've been like, so like should we should we even pray for like these things should we have even been praying for right. this house is it wrong or... to want a bigger house yeah. it, can can you pray for earthly things because god also gives us desires right right I, but i think the question right we're asking is like okay how do we how do we go about this so like i don't know praying for earthly things like is that wrong no i don't, I don't yeah, think no. it is right no. i think of course like it scripture says that God as our heavenly father knows how to give good gifts and that he longs to give good gifts to his children. It's like Mm. even this house, what we were saying is like, this house has been a really good gift from the Lord and he gave it to us knowing it wouldn't satisfy us, but he gave it to us knowing we really wanted it. Yeah. And in that way he gave us a good gift. Yeah. And, And also I feel like the, the hope there would be like, okay, now that we have this house, how can we use it to glorify him or to, be more hospitable to other people or to, yeah. Yeah. you know what I mean? No, I think that's good. You're getting at like your motivations for wanting yeah. those things. Like, yeah, so like is it is it, it wrong to ever desire these things? Right, well, I would say, yeah, depends on what you want them for. Like if you really want this massive house and you plan on never sharing it with anybody else, I think biblically you could look at that and say like, that's probably not how, our, how open our houses should be yeah. to one another, right? Or if you really want, you know, that relationship well why do you want that relationship is it because it's gonna make you feel something about yourself or is it because you want to love and serve the other person i don't know i think i think that's good again your motivations your expectations yeah and also like what does it take to get there so like yeah does i'm trying to think of a different example besides just like the house example um I mean, a relationship. Like, what does it take to get in a relationship with somebody you're not in? Are you going to change yourself? Yeah. Or even like, okay, let's say like maybe having a relationship with somebody at your job could like help you get, I don't know, more status or, you know what I'm saying? And like, are your, are your motivations like evil or yeah, are they pure? Are they, you know, are you coming at it with the heart of like, I really, like, I think this person is, is great. I really want to get to know them. Or are you just coming at it with, Yeah. I really want this for myself right. and it's going to take me forming a relationship with this person to get there. Right. Well, and on top of like, that might be your motivation, but the flip side of that too is your expectations. Like, are you expecting that if you get that relationship, it's going to fulfill you? Like sure. that's, you know, like, are you motivated for selfish desires? But then on top of that, are you expecting that once you have it, you aren't going to want anymore? That I would say, like, 
that's a, a red flag that you're like, oh yeah, I'm trusting in the world to fulfill me. But rather, if your motivation is is pure or aligned with Christ's heart and your expectation is that my life actually probably overall will not be improved a significant amount by receiving this yeah. earthly thing yeah. then I'd say, yeah, you're probably, that's probably, you probably set that up in kind of more of a godly way than, yeah. than we typically do. So I feel like the last question that we like kind of planned out was how can my expectations be set up in a more godly way? Yeah, that's a good question. I think we wrote here like eternal mindset. And I think what I mean by that is like, when it comes to satisfaction and fulfillment and chasing after the things of this world, we have to, we have to keep the reality of heaven and eternity on the forefront of our mind in order for like the allure and the temptation of the earth to fade away. Like if you don't recognize the reality is we're going to be alive in each for eternity in heaven. Like that's a reality right now today that should make like, the attractiveness of this earth lessen, go away, be less yeah. because you know where you're going to be for eternity. Yeah. Right. And I feel like this is kind of a side note. I don't even, I don't know what I'm about to say, Do it. but the, like when you look at people who are older and wiser and yeah. who have been following oh, Jesus good. a lot of their life, <laughs> you don't even know what I'm going to say, That's good. Um, who have been following Jesus for a long time, I feel like they have probably been through a lot of hardships because I think just with more time comes sure. more results of the fall. Like you just yeah. have more opportunities <laughs> for to, yeah, people to yeah. pass away in your life, for there to be sickness and yeah. war and all of these different things. But then... Those people typically, right, after yeah, having been through those hardships... Have such a... Like yeah. they, they have a heavenly mindset that yeah. we're talking about. You have an eternal mindset yeah. because you recognize like this world sucks yeah. in a lot of ways right. and it's not going to fulfill me. And right. everything in a way is a little bit meaningless and things pass away and, yeah. you know, yeah. things fade and I can buy something and it might rot in my closet for the next 60 years right. and gather dust. But those people, they like we all know those more. people that we're yeah. talking about yeah. and and they understand that a lot more. Yeah, yeah, totally. I No, I think that's really good. I think also just looking to other kind of saints alongside of us is like really helpful to recognize like, you know, look at people who are ahead of you on your walk to Jesus and how are they doing this yeah. uh, and, then, and then learn from them. I, I want to close with this. It's a quote from the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, because I think music is just really powerful. But uh, the quote kind of sums up a little bit what we're saying. Like when you have this eternal mindset, right? And you have the reality of heaven on the forefront of your mind, the allure of earth fades away. And the song says this, it says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. The more you focus on Jesus, Right, the, the more the things of this earth seem to fade away and, and the brighter he seems to shine. Right. Thank you so much, Becca, for coming on the show. We loved yeah, having you. Thanks and for having me. Look forward to doing it again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Get Your Donut Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And if you liked what you heard, rate the show and leave us a review. That helps other people find us and it lets us know how you feel about it. I hope you have an awesome day and that you never settle for anything less than all in with Jesus. Thank you.